Hey, welcome back to Sermon Notes. I'm Amy Jo Girardier, and we have... My name is Garrett Gregory, and today we've got Senior Pastor of Brentwood Baptist Church, Mr. Mike Glenn. Yay. Doctor. Mr. All of the above. Yeah, what's his name? <laughs> what's his name? <laughs> yeah, that's right. All of it. <laughs> yeah. Thanks for coming. Yes. Well, thanks, for, thanks for having me. Uh, out of the gate yesterday, can we just, can we just do this? Yes. It was just too funny at the 11 o'clock when... <laughs> When Travis dismissed the, the choir. The choir. Has that ever happened before? No. Usually they bring the <laughs> choir back in three or four times and, right. take, and leave you like five minutes of preaching, you know, yeah. so that goes. But, <laughs> but, uh, but it, and, and, and Travis's defense. He did a great job of. He confessing. had a volleyball game at one o'clock. Okay. okay. He was ready to go. He was, he plays in a, on a volleyball team. Tournament was at one o'clock. So, so by the time we got to 10, 30, 11, Travis had checked out. He was already. He was already playing volleyball. Set spike. He, so the he fact is the team setter, apparently. Yeah, oh, so wow. I, understand, but I understand. Yeah. So I have a score update that oh, I wow. found out this morning. Oh, wow. So with Travis on the team, Travis, if you're listening, uh, they won in three sets yesterday. Uh-huh. And then Trav had to come back for sound check right. for the worship last night. And I can't remember the team name, but they lost. Yeah. So I think Trav probably thinks pretty highly of himself as the team MVP right now. Wow. Did he so. just miss anybody from the that, volleyball team? That we don't know. No. But congrats to Trav yes. and the team. Well, I'm Good just job. glad he didn't dismiss me and I say, hey, I've, I've got to go. Y'all need- <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you're gone. You're yeah, gone. Right. Yeah. So you still <laughs> preached post yeah. that moment. Yeah. Yeah. So. It's a good uh-huh. thing. Well, if you could dismiss anybody from, I'm just yeah. Oh, I got a long list. I'm sure. I'm well, sure. you've heard my line at funerals. You know, all of us have a list of people we, that, that we, we would give to Jesus do. if He wants to take somebody home. That's right. Here's my list. Here's some people that the world would be a better place. <laughs> Why didn't you pick them? Yeah. yeah. If all the people you could have picked this past week, you didn't have to pick them. That's right. Uh, That's right. Well, yesterday you mentioned a military term, mm-hmm. sit rep. Sit rep. Mm-hmm. Can you? Kind of flesh that out for us. What is what uh, sit rep is the process that a uh, a field commander will use to up to update the uh, uh, a higher ranking officer who comes in into the the uh, the theater, uh, whether the colonel's coming to check on the captain in a battle or whatever, and it's a really precise way of here's where we are, here's here's what we found. Here's where we are. Here's if, we, if we've got casualties, or here's what we're running up against, and uh, and here's our next plan. And it's usually less than a minute. Oh wow! That uh, that you can fully catch the the incoming commander up on what's going on. Police now use it uh, if you if you call the the um, um, shift officer shift commander in then the officers on the scene will say, here's what we've got. We've, mm-hmm. we've had a wreck. We've got two injured ambulances on the way. Wow. Uh, and that kind of stuff where, where now the new uh, officer who will be in charge by, by his rank will be able to make whatever decisions need to make. But they'll have that information really quick, and it's a really kind of a neat kind of thing. And yeah. so you'll, you'll see an uh, officer come and go, sit rep. All right, here's where we are. Mm-hmm. That's great. So when you're... When you're praying, talking to Jesus about Brentwood Baptist, mm-hmm. what do you think that Jesus's sit rep for Brentwood Baptist would be? Um, I, I, it, it's that uh, it's that thing where it's the best of time, worst of times. 
mm-hmm. kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, we are a very healthy congregation by all of the strategic numbers that we pay attention to. Um, uh, we have we have a strong team, strong staff. We are in the middle of a transition with, uh, with, with me announcing my retirement at the end of the year. Uh, that's always kind of tricky uh, in, in how you hand that off. Um, you know, and, and not everybody does it well. Uh, yeah. Things, you know, Disney has had to, Ooh. you know, call their guy back twice or yeah. something <laughs> yeah. uh, because they did not do it well. That's right. And it's a notoriously bad uh, moment for, for churches because churches usually – uh, uh, we'll, we'll call somebody who is either different from mm. um, the, current leader. the current leader or has has a, uh, a certain charisma or we really like this guy kind of stuff and mm. not necessarily the gifts that uh, the, the new situation will be calling for. So it's a danger. It's a dangerous time right now for the church. Now we're we're we're, we're thoughtful. We're prayerful. We've been really slow working through this process. People don't understand that we've been working on this process for two years. Yeah. Uh, when when I started talking about hey, yeah. uh, you know I love what I do and I love this church, uh, but if you're paying attention, then and if you do love the church, there there, there comes a time when. Yeah. When you're no longer the best guy to do what's next, yeah, yeah, uh, and and that's a hard moment, yeah. But uh, but it's a good moment, so it's been a it's been a good time. So I think, uh, and you add that to the to the uh, transition of of the Brentwood community, mm-hmm. um, all the folks that that were here when I uh, when I came have now retired to, mm. to Spring Hill. <laughs> and Thompson Station in Florida. Right. Uh, a lot of my friends, not, not, you know, I have five or six phone calls a week to Florida yeah. uh, because that's where my friends have, have ended up. Yeah. And now we've got all of these young families that are moving in uh, who uh, are two or three generations younger than me. Mm. And so we need somebody whose voice they recognize and that kind of stuff. So you have this whole turnover yeah. of all the communities around us. So. Too. Yeah, yeah. It's good. you mentioned the term boldness throughout the text, and I think that's what the text lends itself to. Mm-hmm. While we're talking about the history of BBC, not to skip too far ahead, but when you look back, you've been here now 30, yeah, 31 years, 31, 32 in 30, August, 32 August. When you look at the history of the church, the milestone moments from when you came, where have you seen maybe two or three instances of Brentwood as a church? Take on the boldness you saw with Peter and John. Well, it's uh, one time I was uh, I was a guest speaker at the senior adult meeting and senior adult luncheon, and uh, and the the leader of the senior adult luncheon pulled me aside and he said the natives are a little restless. <laughs> I said really? He said yeah. He said um, um, because there was so much change going on so fast, and I said okay. So I, I and and. They were sitting in, you know, the circular tables like we have here. And I said, listen, I said, we are the church that you taught us how to be. Mm-hmm. And so I walked table to table, and I picked one person at the table who did something crazy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we, we come from a long line of crazies. Uh, we have a guy who told the architects <laughs> at Life, which, would, which was the Sunday school board at the time, you know, yes, they sir. always hired some yeah. Baptists. They came out when we were building the very first building. Hmm. 
And he told the architects, go fly a kite, <laughs> which was bold language in the early 70s, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah, because they wanted to build a sanctuary. The architects said you had to build a sanctuary. And our church was one of the first churches in America to build a gym before it built a sanctuary. Because you remember early 70s when uh, our first building was built at 409 Franklin Road, there was no YMCA, there was no Brentwood High School. Huh. So there was literally no place for, our, for the young people to go. So we'd have worship in the sanctuary. We would take the chairs up. We'd skate. We'd play basketball. <laughs> okay, that was pretty radical. Yeah. Uh, we called the pastor for the deaf when we had eight deaf people in the church. And what? Betty Steersman is going, we need to call a pastor. You don't even have a Sunday school class yet, Betty. What are you talking <laughs> about? And, and all the work came uh, that, that we're involved in in the deaf community now came out of, came out of that movement. Did, is, it, um, is it true? Did Betty, did she start signing yeah. for people before there was Oh, there was no that? deaf people in the... Yeah. I used to tell her all the time. I said, the only thing I got to do is tell the judge, we don't have any deaf people. <laughs> and right. they would haul her off, That's you know. Right. It's just, uh, yeah. Uh, Kairos, there was no reason for, for Kairos to work. We, we were too far away from the demographic. Uh, nothing yeah, nothing not seemed to work. Hmm. Uh, but we had people driving. In fact, uh, in its heyday, Kairos was so strong that it messed up our demographic studies. Hmm. When we did our demographic studies uh, getting ready for Station Hill, yeah. uh, the... Uh, uh, the guy leading us through the process said, I don't understand why you have this big chunk of people coming from Nashville, hmm. inter- uh, urban Nashville, up toward Belmont and all that. Yes, sir. And it was Kairos. Hmm. Everybody else was south, and it was just not. Yeah. And there was no reason for Kairos to work, and Kairos worked. Hmm. That's good. I love that. Hmm. Well, so what are, what are some challenges then that – maybe you can see for Brentwood Baptist that um, would require them to be bold. In fact, I, I know last night at the night of worship, um, as a, I think it was as a result of yesterday's sermon, you were, you were asking us to, to be bold. Mm. And, that, and last night, um, as we were taking in several prayer requests, that was a lot of people were saying, I pray that I would be bold. Yeah. Uh, the, difference, the difference now is, is the world won't tolerate casual Christianity. Uh, the world is now challenging what the church doesn't have the guts to do. Everybody knows uh, that, that, that most people who say they are Christian don't live as Christians. Hmm. Every, every, you know, it's, the world is now saying, if you're going to say you follow Christ, we're going to demand a price. Yeah. Okay, so... Um, what is happening now is that if if you're going to if you're going to be a casual Christianity, the world's going to call you on that, and you'll either get serious about your faith or you will drop out of the faith. Hmm. Yeah. Uh, but if if okay, uh, we are pro-life. Okay, how can we be pro-life in a state where eight thousand kids are in state custody? Okay, so that's why we're going to see the governor. That's why we're pushing the adoption yeah. and, and foster care stuff. Uh, there's no reason for a child who needs a home in the state of Tennessee not to have a home. Yeah. Uh, so that, that kind of stuff. And interestingly enough, when you step boldly and consistently in your faith, the world will not necessarily agree with you, but they will respect you. 
Uh, and, and I think that's what the, the difference now is the world is confronting us and saying, put up or shut up. And they're okay if we shut up. Yeah. Hmm. Can you open the curtain a little bit on the conversations with the governor from last week? Can you tell us a little bit about what may have been talked about or plans, anything like um, that? We have uh, uh, the uh, uh, the chief of staff is is a friend of mine for for Governor Lee. Governor Lee is a very committed believer, uh, and when all of that broke with uh, with the DCS and kids sleeping on the floor, and yes, sir. Um, I, I, I talked to Joe, who's chief of staff, and I said, listen, I said, I, tell me how I can help the governor. Tell me what we can do. I said, but you need to know this is not going to stand. We're not, gonna, we're not going to be uh, a church in Tennessee, as beautiful a state as we are, with the resources we have, and we have children sleep on the floor. That's not going to stand. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so uh, Joe got us in a meeting with the governor, and it was there that we were able to tell the governor and Margie Quinn, who is the the new commissioner uh, of uh, DCS, that uh, we are committed uh, to, um, to solving this problem. Now, not only solving that problem, but like I talked about yesterday, it's going upstream so that we, we talk about families mm-hmm. and marriages so that you don't have kids mm-hmm. who are, um, Alone. Uh, or, or, you know, who need, who need a home. Yeah. So, but the, but the, the government, as much as it much as uh, it wants to, can't solve this problem. Uh, this is yeah. this is this is a church problem, and and mm-hmm. I'm embarrassed to say that I read in the paper Sunday where Margie Quinn was excited uh, that faith groups had stepped up and have helped ease this problem and solve this problem. Great, and that's great news. My question is, when did we step down? Yeah. Hmm. And why did we step down? Uh, and that we now have to step up to, to, to solve the problem. So I think, I think if we're bold and say things like, say things like hey, we'll provide, put a number off the top of my head, 10,000 homes that are ready in any minute. So any child that's brought to a DCS office and needs a, uh, a home, make one phone call and we'll have that child a home. Hmm. Uh, can we uh, can we develop a a, a, a a residential center where we where we take level three and level four kids what they call level three level four these are kids that are so traumatized uh, so hurt so wounded so angry that they're not ready to be in a family yet hmm. so can we, can we build a facility? Uh, to, to, to house these kids and then put around them. You know, um, one of the more successful works in the entire state is, is a thing called Men of Valor, mm. where they assign uh, guys in prison mentors and friends uh, who will do Bible study with them and help them uh, transition once they get out of prison. There's no reason in the world we could not have that kind of ministry uh, to, to these young people who are so hurt and who have to be... Uh, taught again what love looks like and what real love is because yeah. that, that has been so messed up in, uh, in, in their lives. You know, I got a little of this when I started doing Kairos a bunch of years ago, mm-hmm. and I would talk that God loves you like a father, yeah. mm-hmm. and it would lock up half of Kairos mm-hmm. uh, because they had been traumatized by their dads. Mm-hmm. 
And for them to pray our father was, we had to stop and talk about that. Yeah. Yeah. I appreciate the heart behind it because I think it goes back to Peter and John. Like Peter and John got the worst news about the world, right? They've been arrested. Everything's bad. Yeah. What would you say, uh, the world, you said in your sermon, the world hasn't gotten worse, it hasn't gotten better, it's it's the same. It is. How do we get Peter and John's heartbeat of boldness to to chase down issues as such that we're talking about? Where did the boldness come from? How do we develop that as it, believers? It, it, come, it comes from the encounter with the risen Christ. Uh, when, when you understand that the risen Christ is bigger than Caesar. And the risen Christ is bigger than, than Pontius Pilate. It's, it's what Jesus said to Pilate. You don't have any authority yeah. except. And, and, and for us as a church to be afraid that somebody's going to do something yeah. uh, comes from a very weak understanding of Jesus and a very lazy uh, worship and encounter of worship that doesn't demand uh, everything from you and, and then demand that you recognize who Jesus is. So yesterday, we always end with this question. Is there anything from your sermon that you had to cut or you wish you were able to say? <laughs> well, I, I cut it, you know, you, you, you give it easy with this because I, I snuck it in anyway. Oh, okay. Uh, remember when the, the, Peter and John came back and they started praying, said, you made heaven and earth. Okay, now they've just been in front of the court, okay, okay who has told them, we own you. Mm-hmm. We are in power over you. We will beat you. We will throw you in jail, and ultimately we will kill you. And they come back and reaffirm that it is God who made the world, mm-hmm. not the court. So my question is, and what I'd love to preach on is, who makes your world? Mm. Yeah. Who makes your world? Who is it that defines reality for you? That's good. I think that's a good sermon. That's a good sermon. Yeah. <laughs> Great. <laughs> you in your prayer before you opened, and we'll we'll close it up. But before you opened yesterday, you said this quote: um, "Let's get to the point where we're not depressed by the shape of the world, but overwhelmed by the glory of who you are." Mm-hmm. And I just wrote down as you said that: "How do I get to that heartbeat where it's a consistent heartbeat?" And I think you said it. I think we have to get alone with the risen Christ. Well, and, and yeah, you, you you do, and you have to do some crazy things like turn off social media, turn off television, create the space and the silence where you can have that kind of deep, life-changing and life-affirming worship. The world wants you distracted with nothingness, yeah. and they want you worried about things that do not ultimately matter. Uh, yep. I, I, I tell people all the time, I'm the guy who's in the room when the doctor has left and the family's gone home and it's just me and, uh, and the patient who's heard the news. They're not going to make it. There's nothing more science can do. Not one of them tells me about how many followers they had on Twitter mm. or how much money they made. And yet, from the, from the way that people talk, man, that's the that's only, only thing that matters now. Uh, and, and, and it's not, and you don't find that out until you're alone with Jesus in that deep kind of, of soul transforming worship. Yes, sir. That sometimes happens Sunday at 11, but (laughs) needs to happen every day in some kind of way. Yeah. 
may that be said of us as Amen. we get closer Amen. to Easter. Amen. As we walk this road of Lent and uh, as we look at things that we may need to carve out so that Jesus can rightfully mm-hmm. have his place in those those parts of our souls. Mike, thanks for coming. Oh, always. Thanks for jumping Thank in. Guys. Thanks for the conversation. We look forward to next week, and we'll go from there. If you would, if you're watching there, hit that subscribe button as we talk about. Uh, join us on this journey. We would sure love to have you. Thanks for joining uh, our podcast with Sermon Notes, and we will see you next week.